Hello, fellow puzzle enthusiasts. You know what's just as bad as stepping on a Lego? When one of your cardboard jigsaw puzzles has a bent piece and then it doesn't fit quite right. That is why I am excited to tell you about Wongo Puzzles. Each puzzle is a masterpiece cut out of real wood with super cool designs and interesting shapes that will challenge and delight you. And they come with all the pieces, guaranteed. They are 100% wooden puzzles that will last forever. Each piece is hand-drawn, so no two pieces are the same. And you'll discover some fun, whimsy pieces as you work your way through it. They come in a custom wooden box, which is perfect for storage and gifting. And they really are awesome gifts. I'm going to get the animal bundle because I can gift the salamander and the elephant puzzle and then keep the turtle puzzle for myself. What are you waiting for? Go to wongopuzzles.com and pick your puzzle today. Be sure to use the promo code GRUESOME for 10% off your order. This is the most fun you've had with a puzzle guaranteed or your money back. Go to wongopuzzles.com and use the code GRUESOME to get 10% off your order. And get puzzling right now! Welcome to Gruesome, your horrific true crime podcast. I am Connie, along with newly employed dental hygienist Meg, and today she is going to tell us about Jeremy Brian Jones. I am newly employed. I got a job. I don't. I can't You're start a it bad yet, bitch. Until I have a license, which but I passed all my boards, every single one of them. I'm done with all f- five of them, so that's exciting. But we're not here for dental hygiene news. We're here for (laughs) murder. Murder. Hurricane. (laughs) Okay, here we go. Hurricane Ivan struck Mobile, Alabama, September 15th, 2004. It was on this day that John Paul Chapman arrived at the home of Mark and Kim Bentley. A few years prior in... 99, 2000, John had worked for the Bentleys and they had graciously provided him with a place to stay. When he arrived in 2004, he was once again seeking employment and a place to stay. The Bentleys were preparing to flee the incoming storm and they were headed to Chickasaw, Alabama to stay with relatives, but they told John that he could stay in their mobile home while they left. Their cousin, Scooter Coleman, was also staying at their home. The next day was Thursday the 16th, and John was searching for a radio and batteries because the storm had fallen and electricity was completely gone. So he reached out to Kim via a two-way radio that they had, and Kim told John to have Scooter go into her closet and search for the radio and batteries because she was certain that those items had been stashed in the bottom of her closet And she trusted Scooter to go through her stuff and find them. But he did not get Scooter. John Chapman went through her closet himself. And in addition to what he was looking for, he found Kim Bentley's 25 caliber handgun. The family returned to their house after the storm had passed. And it was that same Thursday. 
hit in the morning. It was passed over and they came back to their home. John, Scooter, and Mark worked on the outside of the Bentley's home. They were fixing up damage that the storm had caused. They were cleaning up the yard. And it was during this time that 43-year-old Lisa Marie Nichols, Kim and Mark's neighbor, also returned home. John inquired about Lisa, and Mark informed him that Lisa was single, she lived alone, and she worked at the local grocery store. The next day was Friday, and... John Paul Chapman and his different neighbor this time, Chris Hill, had spent the majority of the night before doing meth and drinking beer. Nice. They saw Lisa, right? Solid A lot of meth in this episode. They saw Lisa leave for work around five in the morning, um, and Mark and Scooter continued to clean up the yard during the day before they left to help a friend clean up damage that Hurricane Ivan had caused. So Scooter and Mark left, and then Kim, his wife, and their teenage stepdaughter also left the home for the day. Lisa returned to her trailer at about 5 p.m., and at 6 p.m., Mark Bentley, who had returned without Scooter, he left to get burgers for both he and John. So, like, Lisa showed back up after work, and at about 6 o'clock, Mark went to go get dinner for everyone. But the only nearby restaurant that was open was a Hardee's. And because of the storm, the wait for burgers was more than an hour. So he left John alone in his house. Once alone, John Paul Chapman took the 25 caliber gun that he had found in Kim's closet, a six-pack of Bud Light, and he made his way over to Lisa Nichols' home, where he forced his way in, raped Lisa under the threat of violence, and then shot her in the head three times. Whoa. You leave him alone for a second. And he's already got it in his head that this is what he was going to do. After that, he went back to the Bentley residence and stole a container filled with gasoline. He took the gasoline to Nichols' trailer, covered her body and the bathroom with gasoline, and then lit her body on fire, causing a small explosion in the bathroom of the mobile home. When Scooter Coleman and Mike Bentley returned to the house around 8 p.m., Chapman was getting out of the shower. On Saturday night, after Lisa didn't arrive to work that morning or return phone calls from her family, her daughters and her daughter, one of her daughter's boyfriends arrived at Lisa's home to check on her. They were surprised to find the back door open, and because the power was, again, still out from the storm, they began to move through the darkness with only flashlights to guide them. After going directly to her bedroom, Lisa's daughter's boyfriend, Todd, looked into the bathroom and found the charred remains of Lisa Nichols. Uh-huh. Her children frantically ran out of the house, and despite the fact that it was nearly midnight, they began to yell for help. They went to the Bentley's home next door where Scooter and Mark rushed out and they went into the trailer hoping that they could help Lisa. Chapman showed little emotion and opted to stay behind. Mark explained to Chapman what they had seen in Lisa's bathroom and Chapman chose this time to explain to Mark that his uncle who had been in Vietnam, had told him that during war, soldiers would douse a body in gasoline and light it on fire to dispose of it. Thanks for the info. Lisa's body had been severely burned, but not completely destroyed. 
So 911 was contacted and the officers from the Mobile County Sheriff's Department arrived quickly. Hours later, John Paul Chapman left Mark and Kim Bentley's home and did not return, despite the fact that he told investigators that he would come in for an interview. He just left. What no one in Alabama realized was that John Paul Chapman was actually Jeremy Brian Jones. Okay, I was wondering. <laughs> You're like, why does she keep saying the wrong name? It's like, is yes. there another one? No, nope, it's the same one. Jeremy Jones was born on April 12th, 1973. Growing up in Oklahoma, his first brush with serious trouble came in high school after a parent found her child and Jeremy fighting in the parking lot of their school. When she attempted to break it up, Jeremy attacked her. He was in ch charged with assaulting the student and his mother, and he was transferred to another school. In his youth, Jones claimed that he enjoyed, like, the delinquent image that he embraced being a thug Ugh. he liked doing drugs and rode riding motorcycles and getting girls like very sons of anarchy yeah. <laughs> not i don't know full disclosure i've never seen sons of anarchy but <laughs> i'll take that i'll take that vibe sure he was into it in 1995 as a 22-year-old Jones was charged with rape for the first time. Less than two months later, he was charged with rape again. And a day after his second arrest, another woman reported that Jeremy Jones had held a gun to her vagina and threatened to kill her. He was oh. arrested and charged with sexual battery. Isn't that just like the scariest imagery? Like it freaks me out. Hmm. And much like our most recent bonus episode, you would think that a serial rapist would get some kind of mandatory sentencing. Like they would say, wow, this has happened a lot of times in a row. You are a threat to society. Yeah, like you, this is, you're habitual at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah, especially this many times in a month. That's a lot. Instead, he was placed into a court program created for young offenders that offered delayed sentencing. He was sent to a correctional facility in Hominy, Oklahoma, for an evaluation where he told evaluators that meth had ruined his life. The sexual assaults had been because of the drugs. He swore that he was a changed man and he was going to turn his life around. And his mom fully supported him. Like, his mom is the same one we always find ourselves talking about in these situations. Like... Mm -hmm. Stronger than a mother's love, a mother's denial. But she maintained that her boy had grown up in a loving family, that he was capable of being a productive and cooperative member of society. But Jeremy Jones is a manipulative little bitch. And he yeah. was was and is a pathological liar. He and, had... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, you're good. Go. It's... I do feel like with drugs like I've had family members who have been affected by addiction and the person that they were while they were using is not the person they were before they were using or the person that they are now in recovery so I do like I could see be like it doesn't see make the this, support yeah, that his mom wants to give him 
it doesn't make his crimes any less heinous because that is it's still disgusting and horrific and unforgivable. But I do see like the, you know, I'm not that person I was using. That's what but I don't get that vibe. I think um, if it was limited to this moment, I would yeah. agree with you. However, um, I don't get that vibe. Jeremy, from Jones Jeremy Brian Jones. Is, he's a he's a real piece of work. Um, mm. And he told the staff, the evaluators, that he had graduated from high school. He hadn't. Um, he had never been in trouble as a teen. He had. And he just wanted to be a better man. But because of these things, the facility agreed that he was a good candidate for rehabilitation. Oof. And this man's is not being rehabilitated. In March of 1997, Jones pleaded no contest to three sexual battery charges, and he was sentenced to five years of probation. A stipulation of his probation was that he was ordered to report for DNA testing. Not DNA testing, DNA reporting. They had to take a swab. Mm Mm-hmm. And he had to register as a sex offender. He had to go do group therapy and take classes. And he hated it. He hated therapy. Every time he went, he would interrupt the sessions. He would rage out. Jones claimed that he didn't belong with a bunch of perverts. And after a session where he caused a particularly huge scene, he was asked to leave. And he did not return to his mandated therapy. And he did not report for a DNA submission. And after repeated attempts to get him to do these, Jeremy Jones became a fugitive of the law when he ran after he did not. Who's going to tell this man that he is one of the perverts? Yeah. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And that he, and it's said a lot of times in most of the things I've read, um, but I don't like to mention it. I don't know. It just gives me the ick that he was just like a very he's like a ladies man like sweet he felt like every woman wanted him gross like no they don't don't. and so it was never his fault right because they wanted Mm -hmm. they wanted this and they don't no so he sold his truck he made quick cash three thousand dollars and he ran While he was running, he convinced a mother who had a son in jail that he was being framed by the police, and she offered him her son's identity. Because Jones played on her sympathies and convinced her that he was a victim. Again, he's manipulating people, and he manipulated her into giving him her son's social security number, his driver's license, just enough information for him to fully take over his identity Um, because she was convinced that like maybe he could have the life that her son wasn't going to have because he was in prison. So Jeremy Jones became John Paul Chapman and headed to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. But when he got to Tuscaloosa, he found out that there was a bounty hunter on his tail because he was now a fugitive and there's probably a pretty good price for him. So he moved again, and this time he headed toward Mobile, Alabama, where he met Mark Bentley the first time. Mark ran a successful construction business, and after Jones, who Mark believed to be John Chapman, he worked for him without pay, so 
I and I'll kind of go back and forth calling him Chapman or Jones or John or Jeremy, but that's all the same person. But everyone thinks he has different names, so mm-hmm. bear with me there. But Jeremy, pretending to be John, worked for Mark without pay on his construction team and did a really good job. So he offered him a construction job and a place to stay while he got on his feet. And Bentley made it clear. He's like, I don't tolerate any drug use of any kind, um, but you're welcome to stay here until you can get it together. And it almost seemed like Jones was going to make a new life for himself. He had friends that affectionately called him Oklahoma. He was working really hard to get his act together. He told his mom that he had gotten a job and was doing well. And she was like, get a place on the beach and I'll move down there too. So he was getting it together, but eventually his meth addiction took hold of him again. And Bentley saw the quality of his work deteriorating and saw what he was getting into. So he fired him and kicked him out. He was just like, nope, I don't have time for this. And the next several years, again, are just a testament to Jeremy Jones's ability to manipulate those around him and paint himself as a victim. He met a guy named Craig Baxter at the hotel he moved into. So he moved into a motel after he got kicked out of there. And Baxter was from Georgia. He was only in Alabama because he was doing temp work. But he told Jones, like, hey, if you're ever in Georgia, give me a call. And only a few months later, he did. He told Baxter that he had been mugged and he needed some money and he felt sorry for Jones. So Baxter lent him the money and offered him a place to stay. But the Baxters, uh, Craig and his wife, kicked him out when they realized that Jones's meth habit was the real cause of his homelessness and lack of money. But he made another friend very quickly, as he does. Josh McIntosh got him a welding job invited him into his home where he lived with his wife and his child. And initially there wasn't an issue, but Jones would go out to the bars every night trying to meet women. And if he couldn't find one, then he would stalk the streets looking for sex workers. And um, Josh's wife said that they were going through kind of a rough, rough patch at this point. And whenever they would get into an argument, Jeremy would like pit Josh against her. Like she, he was always bad mouthing her. He was always trying to like convince Josh that she, like that he should leave. Like to isolate him or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He was trying to get him. I don't know. He said he got along with like his family really well, but when there were those instances, she could feel like, she felt like Jeremy was trying to put a wedge between her and Josh. The police arrived at McIntosh's household one morning after a woman from the previous night had fled from the basement where Jeremy or John was staying. She told police that John Chapman had choked her and tried to rape her, But McIntosh vouched for his roommate. He said that he wasn't the type of guy to be violent with women, so the police chalked it up to the woman being drunk and suggested that her report wasn't credible enough for charges to be pressed. Then Jones continued to sweet-talk his way out of trouble with Josh McIntosh. He told his friend that 
He just wanted to find a good woman to settle down with. And that dream became a reality when he met Vicki Freeman, a woman 15 years old, 15 years older than Jones. He met her in a bar. She was having dinner with her friends and he just charmed her. The two got together and quickly moved into an apartment together in Villarica, Georgia. Their bliss was short-lived because after moving into this place and living there for only a month, Jones was arrested and charged with indecent exposure and public indecency. Jeremy had become obsessed with their 18-year-old neighbor and began showing up at her apartment when he knew she was there alone. He would like walk around from the front to the back and try to open the doors, even if they were locked. Um, When... And she lived with her parents, too. It wasn't like it was just her apartment. She lived with her parents. And she told her mom that he creeped her out. And she was like, why did you tell him so much about me? And her mom was like, I didn't tell him anything about you. Because he had been stalking her. That's the reason he knew. He ended up exposing himself. He exposed his genitals to her. And Brittany immediately called the police and had him arrested. When they searched Brittany and her family's apartment, they found a box outside of her bedroom window, and in the box was a pair of binoculars, a length of rope, and some tape. Ooh. So, like, scary things were afoot. On January 24th, 2004, John Paul Chapman, who was still using his fake identity, was charged with criminal trespassing. He was fingerprinted? But nothing alerted officials to the severity of Jeremy Jones's actual crimes. So for some reason, after they fingerprinted and ran his prints, nothing came back. Despite oh, the fact weird. that he had this very long record. Yeah. So there, there's an issue. And a warrant. That. And a warrant. And But he has completely flipped his identity. So he's giving you know someone else's name, someone else's social security number, someone else's birth date. Oh, okay. That makes sense. But the fingerprints are Yeah, that's back. what's weird. But even still, that man was in jail, too. So wouldn't they have had his fingerprints and that came Yeah, back? they'd have been like, wait a second, you're in jail. Mm-hmm. So he's just, he continuously just slides under the radar. It's like very slimy. John slash Jeremy and Vicky, his girlfriend, moved out of those apartments and into the Arbor Village trailer park in Douglasville, Georgia, in early March of 2004. She stayed with him? Yeah. Yeah. She stays with him. I don't know if she still has stayed with him, but yes. On March 12, 2004, 16-year-old Amanda Greenwell left her family's trailer in Arbor Village and headed toward the payphone to make a phone call. After several hours, Amanda had not returned home, and her father became incredibly worried. He searched the trailer park for her before calling the police, and while they initially called Amanda a runaway, foul play was suspected after it was revealed that no one had seen or heard from her. Her friends hadn't heard her, neighbors hadn't seen her, no family members. She had just, like, she just disappeared. On April 20th, 2004, Amanda's body was discovered in a wooded area near the park. She had been raped, stabbed, and her neck was broken. 
There was no physical evidence that could lead police to a suspect, and her case went cold. But there had been a very thorough investigation and interviews with everyone in the area, including both Vicky and John. A few months later, Jones slash Chapman was arrested for possession of marijuana, methamphetamine, drug paraphernalia, and obstruction of justice. Again, his prints were run through the national system and no match was found. Jeremy Jones followed storms because he knew that there was work to be found. He knew that if there was a storm coming in and it was going to hit, that he was going to be able to find quick and easy, maybe not easy, but quick work that paid him money that he could use to get meth. And that was why he was near Mobile, Alabama, when he darkened the Bentley's doorstep in September of 2004. When he disappeared after Lisa's murder, detectives Paul Birch and Mitch McRae began searching for him, but they began searching for John Paul Chapman. On September 21st, 2004, Detective Birch was coordinating a search for Chapman, quote-unquote, when he received a phone call, and it was him. He had called the detective. Birch was able to keep him on the phone long enough to get his location, and they found him in a home only one block away from Lisa Lisa Nichols' trailer. He was surrounded and arrested. So... A note, like a, it's like a teletype, you know, when they send the information of the people they arrest to the surrounding areas. Mm-hmm. A note with John Paul Chapman's name, birth date, social security number, driver's license, and a physical description of him and his crimes. It was sent to the surrounding states, and his fingerprints were ran through the FBI's fingerprint ID system. And the prints came back clean again, but... A clerk in Missouri recognized John Paul Chapman's name and informed Detective Birch that Chapman had been in a Missouri state prison since 2000 for robbery. And so now it's a new frantic investigation. They're like, okay, who is this? We need to find out who John Paul Chapman actually is. And the thing that gave him away was that Jeremy Jones always called his mama. No matter where, no matter when, he called his mom, Jeannie Beard, and they traced all of his phone calls back to her, and a very short search revealed that Jeannie had a son named Jeremy Brian Jones with several outstanding warrants, a matching photo, and a whole list of identifications showing that John and Jeremy were the same men. As Birch and McRae began to dig deeper, into what they could find out about Jones. Um, Investigators from Missouri, Georgia, Alabama, Arizona, and Oklahoma all revealed that Jeremy Jones was actually the prime suspect in several unsolved murder and rape cases. And they began to believe that they had caught a serial killer. As someone who works from home, I feel like being tired is just a part of my life now. Even with energy drinks and coffee permanently within reach, I still feel drained. But did you know the dehydration is the leading cause of daytime fatigue? I was shocked to learn that even mild dehydration can cause headaches, muscle weakness, and brain fog. And I checked all those boxes. But luckily, there's a solution. Cure. 
Their formula is made with all natural ingredients like coconut water powder and pink Himalayan salt and is free from artificial flavors, sweeteners, and preservatives. The packets are convenient and easy to use. Just mix with water and drink. They're perfect for on-the-go, travel, or anytime you need a quick and effective hydration boost. Cure believes that hydration should be simple and effective, but also clean and natural. That's why they only use the highest quality plant-based ingredients and avoid any artificial or harmful additives. Ready to combat dehydration? Try Cure today and feel the difference for yourself. Use code GRUESOME for 20% off your order. One of Jones's most redeeming criminal qualities is that he is a talker. And I feel like all most pathological liars are. Like they t- try to talk themselves out of it and end up digging themselves an even yeah. deeper hole. And during his interview, he confessed to killing Nichols. And then he mentioned killing both Amanda Greenwell and a woman named Tina Mayberry. Tina had been at a Halloween party in 2002 at Gibson's Bar in Georgia, the same bar where Jones had met his girlfriend, Vicki Freeman. She was found at the front of the bar with multiple stab wounds and succumbed to her injuries at a hospital only two hours later. Investigators believed that she had been stabbed in the parking lot and then stumbled to the front door seeking help. But the case had gone cold. Jeremy claimed to have murdered sex workers in Atlanta and Mobile, but no corroborating evidence was discovered. And then he continued to confess to numerous cold cases in the area. One of those was the murder of Catherine Collins a 47-year-old sex worker that had been murdered in New Orleans. Her body had been discovered in an overgrown lot near a truck stop, and she had been identified after a reconstructed photo of her face had been shown on the news. And they didn't believe him when he confessed this, because what he was doing is he was confessing, and then he was recanting, and he was confessing, or like he would say something, and he would kind of twist it to be like, well, it wasn't really like this. But still, New Orleans detectives traveled to Alabama to speak with Jones. And they had uncovered DNA from underneath Collins's nails, but they there wasn't enough for it to be tested. However, Jones did provide details about the case that only the killer could have known. So detectives continued to search, and they were able to find a traffic ticket dated the date of Catherine's death at Jones's home in New Orleans. So on January 20th, 2005, he was charged with the first-degree murder of Catherine Collins. He also claimed to have murdered Patrice Tambor Andre, um, and she was a salon owner that disappeared in 2004. He said that he had dumped her body into a creek that fed into the Chattahoochee, but her body was actually found on December 6, 2005, in the woods in Dawson County, Georgia. So he was not charged with that crime. He also claimed to be responsible for the murders of Danny and Kathy Freeman, who had been found in the, they were shot in their trailer in Welch, Oklahoma, in 1999. Their daughter and her friend were missing from the trailer. And that case is actually this. Danny and Kathleen Freeman. That's actually my next mini case, so I'm not going to talk too much about it. But the investigators were unable to link him to 
that case. But then he also confessed to murdering Jennifer Judd, who was a 20-year-old newlywed in Baxter Springs in 1992. And he had been neighbors with Judd and went to high school with her husband. So, like, but that case is actually still cold. They still have not connected him to it. But, again, he confesses to crimes and then he recants when he gets what he wants because he likes the attention and he gets privileges for claiming to be responsible for these horrific crimes and cold cases. They're like, oh, you want to talk to your mom? Tell us more about it. So he tells them more so that he can get a phone call, so that he can call his girlfriend, so he can call his mom, so he can get a better room, so he can go somewhere else. He just keeps giving information. As for Lisa, he confessed to her murder the day he was arrested and continued to confess for several months to several different people. The bullets recovered from Lisa's head and the bathroom floor matched the gun that Jones admitted to taking from Kim Bentley's closet. And there was a stain on his shirt that matched Lisa's DNA. He also left several of his Bud Light cans in the trailer. So on November 29th, 2005, Jeremy Brian Jones was sentenced to death for the murder of Lisa Nichols. And as of right now, he claims that he has never murdered anyone. What? Like, yeah, he said that he's going to write a book and one day he's just going to look back and laugh his ass off. He's just like a real piece of shit. Like he's yeah. And he's still just kicking it i guess in the until he finally goes down but he definitely is a is, monster is a monster is a is gross and i think he has confessed to murdering um like up to 20 people and i honestly don't doubt it i feel like it sounds that, like he would like it's not like one of those like uh, like maybe. oh he's just saying it no i yeah. think that he fully has um and I do think he's responsible for many, many more murders. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually stumbled upon this case because I was working on my mini. And I was like, oh, oh, like, this is way more than a mini. So, yeah. But that is Jeremy Brian Jones. What an asshole. What does he look like? I got to look this up. Google him. He looks like every other serial killer. Like, <laughs> I know that they all kind of look different, but like, once you keep seeing them, you get the uh, you get the look. They got a look about them. It's not what I was picturing. What were you picturing? More bald? Okay, I'm gonna say this, and someone's gonna come at me for it. But when you started talking about meth. And this and that. I pictured, um, remember Tiger King? Yeah. <laughs> okay, not the Tiger King, not Joe Exotic himself, but the husband that he had that was like shorter and bald, always wore the necklace that looked like uh, like the silver balls. I'm looking up Joe Exotic's husbands so I can remember. Uh, Yeah. Yeah, for that's, sure. I know exactly. That's what you pictured. That's what I, I could see that, and I feel like that is a fair that is a fair judgment call. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. 
Man, if you Google Joe Exotic's husbands, it really takes you on a whirlwind of pictures. It is interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, it he does look healthy. Like, he doesn't look, I don't know. There's just, they all have something about them that just, like, creeps It's their me eyes, out. I think. Yeah, it is. It's the crazy eyes. We've talked about that. Um, and again, he also confessed to, he's confessed to so many murders. Uh, there's one he confessed to in 1996, Doris Harris and her husband were both shot in a trailer that they lived in were set on fire. Um, he confessed to the murder of a young man named Justin Hutchings from Pitcher, Oklahoma in 1999. He said he killed him with a lethal injection. Uh, the I think that's it. I don't think I'm missing anyone after that. Other than he would, he did say he would like murder sex workers, and he didn't know their names. That's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. And his profile was that he tended to go for brunette women. Like they're all, they all have dark hair. Ugh. Petite brunette women. Ugh. What a freaking twat. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I was uh I was on a little bit of a Reddit deep dive about the Jennifer Judd murder and I couldn't really find other than in his profiles, I couldn't really find anything that like linked him to it specifically it makes a lot of sense because he did like go to high school with them and um he lived near them and so they believe like he was obsessed and stalking her and murdered her so i fully buy that it was him but there's also rumors i guess in that town that it was someone completely different that was also stalking her regardless she was stalked because she was found dead in her um kitchen just in her own house with a knife in her. And she had only been married for like 10 days. Ah. Uh. Yeah. But there were no clues. And most of them, you know, there's no physical evidence. I think it's funny that he got caught because he kept calling his mom. I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> that, it made me laugh too. And I also feel really like sad for his mom because yeah, she, she wanted to believe that like he was capable of creating a better life, but he was getting progressively worse. Yeah. And maybe he was different, you know, maybe like you said, the people that the people that become who they are on drugs are not the same people as they mm-hmm. were before. And it's unfortunate that, you know, people get hurt in the process like people that love you like your mom um but yeah the fact that he was just calling her he would always make time to call his mom and they were like wow he's calling this one lady an awful lot who's she oh mama that'd be me though actually who would i get calling your mom oh who'd you get busted for her calling it'd probably be karen only because she's like my comfort call. Like if I'm in the car driving or like 
you need someone to talk to. Yeah, we um, a lot of times we'll just be doing like having small talk by like while we're doing our own like chores or like dishes or whatever. She's like my comfort call. I do not call anyone. No, you don't. You always sound surprised when I do call you. I know. I'm like, oh, uh, you want to talk to me? Okay. It like makes me feel like I'm in trouble. Uh, I call my husband on the way home from places to let him know that I am coming home. But that is the extent of my calling. Like, I just am not good at it. I, I'm better now that it like FaceTime's a thing. Because oh, I, I can, like love FaceTime, FaceTime you. I yeah, love I, if, if I can look at you and then also sometimes look at myself in the corner, uh, I will keep talking. <laughs> oh, I'm exclusively looking at myself. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> you're like, hmm. Um, <laughs> Unless you're showing me things, I'm looking at myself. <laughs> I wonder how true that is, because I feel like that's pretty true for me as well. Like, I'm looking at you sometimes, but most of the time I'm looking at me. Yeah, I'm always looking at me. What does it say about us as people? Hansen <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> says that we don't have self-esteem issues. We'll take, we'll take that. No, I, we do. We do. I take it we back. Do. We do. I think that's probably what it is. <laughs> that's probably why we're looking at ourselves like, oh, I can't see. They can't see me messed up. But when I know that when we record, because we can see each other, I like have to physically force myself to only look at you. Like I'm like, okay, look at her. You're paying attention to her. And like sometimes I'll like I catch can't. a glimpse of me. Like I like <laughs> I've watched re rewatched like our videos that we have and like I'll see myself looking at the camera, like looking at myself and I'm like, like <laughs> You vain That's little really bitch. why we don't post that many videos. <laughs> you vain little bit. Oh, I no, I really do. I have to. Um, it's like a on repeat in my brain, you know, that co constant stream of consciousness that's constantly happening in my head. One of those things is, okay, you're paying attention to her. Listen to her. You're not just waiting for your turn to talk. You're listening. You're learning. Uh, and that's something I've been trying harder about in general is like, not just waiting for my turn to talk, like actually trying to hear people when they're talking and it's hard. I, I really, really struggle with that. And it's not, I, I, we've had comments like, oh, she interrupts a lot. And it's one, it's my ADHD and my lack of social cues. Like I'm not good at that, but it's, I'm always trying that's my way of being like, I am listening to you. Like, look, I can. I'm, <laughs> like, I'm here's my story that also relates to that. Yes. yes. Like, it's not trying to be like a, I'm not trying to be a twat about it. Like, I'm not like, oh, I fuck what Meg has to say. I only want to talk what I have to say. <laughs> but it's like, a, I'm trying to like, look, I'm, I'm being a good listener. I'm, being, I'm like, excited. I'm, can you yeah. see? Can you see? Because I'm comparing our stories. I know. I know that to be true. Um. I, I do I, see. <laughs> I just didn't. <laughs> no, it's good. You get excited and you want to hear. And when you start, I like I stop. I'm like, go ahead. It's fine. Let it out. I'm like a chihuahua. <laughs> like one of those dogs. He's like, hey, 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 hey. That's me. I don't think you're a chihuahua. A pomeranian. Maybe. Yeah. I can see that. <laughs> like a little Yorkie that's like, I, I have noticed it's worse on days like, if I could feel that my medicine has worn off, like by the time we record, I'm like, ah, I won't be jumping in today. 
I'm going to be jumping in or just staring at myself. One or the other. <laughs> I love my Blendjet 2 Portable. I make breakfast smoothies in the morning with just some almond milk, frozen fruit, yogurt, and I can walk out the door with breakfast in hand in less than a minute. It's so easy to clean up and you get to see the cool little water tornado it makes when you rinse out whatever you just blended. Blendjet 2 is portable, so you can blend up a smoothie at work, you can do a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. Blendjet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up your entire house. It lasts for 15 plus blends and recharges so quickly via USB-C. And best of all, Blendjet 2 cleans itself. You just blend water with a drop of soap and you are good to go. If they have it in a certain color, will you get it? Well, you're in luck because Blendjet has more than 30 colors and patterns to choose from. You should definitely check out the Disney prints. They are very cute. I need a Buzz Lightyear one. What are you waiting for? Go to Blendjet.com and grab yours today. Be sure to use the promo code GRUESOME12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 Portable Blender. Go to Blendjet.com and use the promo code GRUESOME12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. I found myself on Easter, actually, when people were telling me stuff, just like staring at their faces and like telling myself, okay, actively listen. And that, do people have to do that? Or is that like a, my brain is broken thing? No, I think it's, uh, I don't know the cause of it. I have a theory that like, it's more difficult for our generation and like generations around our age to actively listen because we are the first Actually, millennials are the, I would say the first really big multitasking generation. Like you have to do everything at once. Yeah. It's like we're watching TV on our phones, working on the computer at the same time. It's like we're doing all these things at the same time. So it's, I think our brain, we may not seem like we're paying attention. My husband will say that to me all the time. He's like, you're not even listening. I'm all like re repeat verbatim. Like, what are you saying? Like, I can fucking hear you. Like, <laughs> I'm listening. I can hear you. <laughs> I am listening. I don't know. I just, um, I don't want to think too hard anymore. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I'm done. I just want to feel like joy without the expectation that it has to be deeper, that I'm reading too much into stuff. And I think with conversations, if I like, if I start listening too intently, that I start reading too deeply into it. And that might be some of it too. I would say that you are probably one of my favorite people to talk to because it, you are, I can always tell that you are listening and like very engaged. And like, I can tell that you genuinely give a shit about what I have to say. And I feel like you have that vibe with anyone that I've ever seen you talk to. So I would thank say you. that you do a good job at it. Oh, thank you. That was like <laughs> one of the nicest. I'm going to say that that's a top two compliment for me. So I appreciate <gasps> it. But my top one compliment was somebody called me industrious once and I have not stopped thinking about it. <laughs> 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 like, I don't even know what that means. 
It's like you're just industrious. You just like you see something that needs done and you get up and you just like handle it and do it. And like, oh, you do that. That really you filled do. my cup. I do. <laughs> yeah, it's a you problem. You do. Like, <laughs> we'll be, I know, like when you come over for like birthday parties and stuff, like if we're like winding down, you start putting shit away, you start packing things away. Like, you are a top tier at that. Like, you, you are. I learned that from someone else. I saw someone else do that for me. And I was like, I'm going to be that for other people. Like I th- I that, that cute person. quality. That's my cute quality. Now. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad to see it's working. It's great. Hey, did you see the Mario movie yet? Not yet. Uh, we, I've had a week from hell with this sun shit. So <laughs> we had just got, we were supposed to go this weekend, but my husband has like, boy scout man scouts as i call it because just like the leaders he has like boy scout stuff to do um but i may just like go without him with take the kids it's delightful and it marked every box i wanted it to okay good that's what i was worried about i was a little like iffy if i'm gonna be honest no i i wasn't iffy but i think i had my own experience with mario and like mario so generational that Mm -hmm. like every generation has their own version of mario right like you have nintendo you have nintendo 64 you have wii you have uh ds you have just all these different ones and they really like fit it all in there and it was so cool because I i hadn't considered that like you would see like mario odyssey or mario galaxies and stuff in there i hadn't considered that they would like reference luigi's haunted mansion I had just thought like, oh, I bet it's going to be like in 64. Oh, my kids that's, are going to love it. My that's are- my Mario is in 64, yeah. like Super Mario 64. But no, it's so fun. And I love, I loved Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. Like that was one of the funniest parts. You'll love it. I'm excited to go see it. I think I'll be able to not hate my body by then. Yeah, Connie got sun poisoning. For the record dude that's why like actually surprise um it'll either be late friday night when an episode comes out or first thing saturday morning but you're getting two episodes this week <laughs> Dun, da, da. Da, da, da. i went to destin and had an amazing delightful time i got done dirty by some sunblock i'm not trying to get any like lawsuits or anything so just dm me if you want to know no i think you should say the sunblock because you're not you did have that experience you put your sunscreen on it wasn't just you it was like your whole family yeah my whole family we i think it was like a bad batch or like an i think so too improperly marked one because i had just bought it like a week before we left so it was brand new i went to target Actually, I went to Costco first, like seeing if they had like the double bulk packs, but they didn't have any. So I ran across the street to Target and it was just the Target brand. Target brand like spray sunblock. And I have, I will preface this with, I have used this brand a bajillion times in the past and I've yeah, never had any I issues. Yeah, that's what I always have in the summer. Yeah. Same kind every summer. I've never had an issue with it. My daughter is very fair skinned. So she wears like... um long sleeves to the beach like the whole you know like brash card thing uh because if she looks at the window too long she's getting sunburned <laughs> and i feel i it. applied it to her like every 30 minutes sometimes it would be an hour of like we were like playing on the beach or whatever and i didn't i'll be like completely honest i didn't apply it as much but i stand here 30 how are we 34 33 how are the fuck old we are now 
34? <laughs> almost. You're 34. I'm almost 34. So I'm 34. And in my 34 years, I can count on one hand how many times I've had a sunburn that peeled. And one time was in Vegas. And that's because that's a whole different world out there out west. <laughs> it's just a whole thing. And you're then in the one, desert. Yeah. One time was like Panama City Beach spring break. 2007 where i was like fuck sunblock i'm just getting fried like bacon out here <laughs> you're like i love skin cancer let's do this but i put like sunblock on my face because i'm a skincare girly like i i do the things and i am not convinced that it was just, like i think i had a I, I don't know someone brought up like you can get like chemical burns sometimes from like spray sunblock because if you follow me on Instagram, you've like, I've been dying, having a diary <laughs> of my son burn fiasco because I genuinely thought I was going to have to go to the hospital. I thought I had like second degree burns first, whatever, because the layer of skin, it's not like a typical peel where it's just like the first, you know, it's not it's that like blister peel extra peel yes and the skin underneath it is like a baby pink it's so sensitive hard to, like it hurts to touch um i couldn't even like sit up in a chair like today's the first day i had like a full shirt on it's been a it was the worst experience of my life to the point of like i don't ever want to go back to florida and that's like one of my favorite places in the world but i've been like i go out on the boat like with my in-laws and I'll be on the lake all day and I'll get ham Sammy and I won't put a I'll be like, oh shit, I got my hat on, but I'll forget to put sunblock on the rest of my body. And I never burn like this. And even like my son's hands fried, like the top of them, it was real scary. Like I was most concerned about like my kids. Luckily, like they had shirts on my oldest son and his friend had went back to the house. Like they didn't stay at the beach very long. Of course, teenagers video games uh, to play. Um, my middle son went back like before my daughter did and like me my daughter and my aunt and my cousin like we stayed out all day and they didn't get fried like this like it is i it, it's awful it gets awful i'm finally feeling better my husband decided not to go to the beach that day and he really lucked out because he has no sunburn at all yeah can you imagine though like the the man the man complaining no. that would have <laughs> I was freaking out, reaching out to like estheticians that I know. Like I made, like I had like a televisit with my PCM, uh, like where I had like uploaded pictures and stuff. I have like a burn cream. I was spraying like the lidocaine spray, like on me, the Panama Jack, like cooling spray. I soaked uh, rags and vinegar and like put oh, them all no. over me. No, it Ooh. that was the thing that helped me the most was the vinegar, really? which is weird. Ugh, that sounds ouchy to me. It the only like I didn't do the tea bag bath just because I didn't want to stay in my bathtub, but um I didn't know how that worked, like how many I would need it. It was a lot of panicking that I didn't want to go into. <laughs> I was like, that's too much. All you have convinced me this summer is like no matter how like like laissez-faire I'm being I'm gonna wear sunscreen all summer long like yeah. no matter what I'm not gonna forget this year no and I even today like uh my middle son had a soccer game and I was like rubbing it on like the blue lizard the expensive as shit guy 
<laughs> like you're a new you you're a changed person now. I'm a changed to... person. <laughs> Like I'm buying an umbrella to sit under. Like I'm not like, cause I physically and mentally and my marriage cannot survive a sunburn like this again, because I was the biggest baby. Like it the hurt. Biggest. And I haven't experienced it before. My husband's like a ginger with like freckles all over himself. So he gets sunburned. Like he had sun poisoning. He was literally just driving down the road one day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like the blisters that. on his he's like you've never been sunburned before and it shows i was like sorry <laughs> i didn't know that when you are pregnant you your skin sunburns easier and which is a thing that i learned because i didn't know i was pregnant and i was like oh i'm gonna go lay in the pool and i did my normal sunscreen so burnt that's probably the most burnt i've been like in recent memory would but you ever go into like warp tour and stuff yeah, and I you told you that story. I, no, I didn't. Um, but when I went to OzFest, I was just staring into the sun, and it was beating down on my face as it was going down, and my face did exactly that. And I just remember, like, peeling the skin off my forehead, just, like, as it blistered, and it was, like, hard. Like, the skin had, like, mm. like I, jer- I beef jerkied my face. It was terrible. Uh-huh. It was- it was the worst. And I, I was like shaking my shirt out and skin was falling. I've left my DNA all over this fucking town <laughs> and like on the trip back from Destin up to Ohio. Like it's someone could frame me easily. And then like I'm a <laughs> put it under your nails. I'm a picker like because of like anxiety and like it's all so my- satisfying it's though. So- like, And the first time I was like, oh, it's just peeling a little bit. Like I'm just going to peel it. And then it was like more than that first layer of skin. Like more, I was like, "Holy shit, this is like stop touching like blister it." Blister peeling. What the fuck am I doing? Ew! I always think of that scene in like uh, Austin Powers Gold Member where he like opens <laughs> it. <laughs> so gross. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you making you gag is a oh, good I'm place good. to end it. Wear I'm your good. sunblock, friends. Wear your sunblock. <laughs> See you guys next week or tomorrow or today or whatever. Thank you so much for listening to Gruesome Horrific True Crime, a Zencaster-powered podcast. Seriously, we wouldn't be here without them. Zencaster is simple to use and makes it easy to edit your own podcast. Zencaster gives you automatic, high-quality post-production sound, transcription, and HD video recordings of all of your episodes. If you want to start a podcast, and we think you should, click the link in the show notes or at our website and use the code GRUESOME with a capital G for 30% off your first three months. We love you, beautiful strangers. And if you love us too, here are some ways that you can support Gruesome. Please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast or a five-star rating on Spotify This helps other true crime connoisseurs find us. Follow us at Gruesome Podcasts on Instagram or TikTok and talk to us on our posts. Join the Patreon. Sign up to join our True Crime Sticker of the Month Club and gain access to bonus episodes and exclusive Patreon perks. Or if a one-time donation is more your thing, we have a Venmo at Gruesome Podcast and a PayPal via our email, gruesomepodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of which, 
We love hearing from you. It seriously makes our whole life. So send us your questions, comments, suggestions, or just ask our opinion on whether that person you met on Tinder is a serial killer or not. Tune in next week and don't forget, lock your windows, lock your doors, and on Wednesdays, we're we're gruesome. gruesome. Bye. Bye. (laughs) 